Hello and welcome to episode number 208, the Armin Show podcast. We are in this building. It's an audio building. On this episode, we have a guest. Who is our guest today? Erica. Erica is here. Erica Stowe Madison, ESM. For those that do acronyms, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This is wonderful. Now, we are in the 200s, which is exciting. And I haven't spoken about the progression in recent episodes because they were more uh, streamlined or such. But bringing back some of the momentary commentary along the way because that describes what is happening as it's happening. I like that made a cognition, if you will. Erica, tell us, okay? We want to get into, straight from it, your studies, what you're working on, that first. Tell us about that category. Okay, well, um, it's kind of boring without getting into specifics, but right I want now... no specifics. I want complete general. <laughs> right now, Joke. I'm working on uh, a master's degree of science in the category of nutrition. Now, why nutrition? <clears throat> um, I guess there's probably a lot of different reasons, but I would say... Um, you know, I think that a lot of people in my life, I don't think, I know, a lot of people in my, my life have died from cancer. Oh. Yeah, I know. That's kind of a somber note to kick this off with. but um, It's real. <laughs> it's definitely real. Uh, cancer's a big deal. And there's a lot of ways that nutrition intervention can help uh, either prevent cancer or um, help people that already do have cancer to maybe live longer so prolong life, or actually just make living with cancer a little bit easier um, So while you're going through treatment. So, <clears throat> I mean, that's a very kind of like, I guess, important reason why I'm into nutrition. Mm -hmm. but, that's, but it's, yeah, it's there, there are many reasons why nutrition is important to me. I just think being able to live, um, live comfortably, you know, in your body is a really important part of life. Mm -hmm. Now, nutrition is a way to live comfortably in your body. Exercising, practicing good nutrition. Right. Yeah. Now, one thing that comes to mind is how did it impact you when individuals passed away? Because I think that says a lot about a person. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I mean... I'm human. It's right. a horrible. It's a horrible experience. Mm -hmm. Um, very emotional experience. So yeah, I mean, you definitely. I, I think for me, I was fortunate to be uh, brought into a family at a really um, like my mom was really young when she had me. So I had mm -hmm. a lot of generations. We were actually in the newspaper, the Sacramento Bee, because we had five generations of uh, women alive at the same time. So. You know, my great, I got to meet my great, great grandmother. Wow. So you can see that's like a pretty special experience situation, thanks to all the women that had children at a really young age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I think sadly, I, you know, I didn't get to have those women around in my life for a long time because they, they died really early. Mm -hmm. uh, so like my grandmother died in her 50s from cancer. My great grandmother died in her 70s from cancer. Um, yeah, it's, and it, it's, 
it's sad because I think, well, it's obviously sad for many reasons, sure. but it's really, it's really emotional because I think grandparents are foundational in um, passing along wisdom and traditions and skills and um, history of the family. And so there's a lot that you lose when those individuals die, especially at a young age. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. We, we have a different, everybody has a different uh, response to life-changing situations, and it's good to know what it represents. Does, does a person then look towards the future with more vigor? Do they look more sadly now at life because of the past? It says a lot about the person, I think. Yeah. Mm. That's some cool stuff. By the way, speaking of which, I want to include this material. You had mentioned your mom there along with your multi-generational context. I... Story background, I knew Erica's mom first through Ventura College. Shout out to that institution. I met everybody in a certain classroom of chemistry and then the organic chemistry after that. I knew everybody in there. And Crystal was one of the people that's Erica's mom in that class, a joyful individual, and created current individual Erica through creation and this is a wonderful element and she, uh, the basis for our views like maybe spending time in nature or a relaxed note or what we do a lot of that is influenced by the people behind us and if it doesn't fit us there's still an influence if it does fit us there's a high influence but if it um does then uh there's a high influence if it doesn't fit us then we still get impacted by those who are behind us generation generationally yeah and you know i realize there's more to your question that i don't feel like i answered because mm-hmm. you're asking how you respond to to the passing yes these individuals and you know i think I like to believe that their energy, you know, I actually have their DNA. Yes. So I feel like I get to carry on the torch of those individuals. So yes, you know, obviously you remember them and you remember the good times and sometimes you have an emotional response. Like you're a little sad, you know, because they're not there physically anymore. But then you remember like they're they're in you. Their DNA is in you. So really, you're just an extension of them. And... That's a pretty magical thing to recognize. Mm-hmm. Or it takes and, it's, a... and it's empowering, you know? Right. Right. There's some value to take from that because another way to look at it is like, uh, regardless of what comes down from the elder generations, their time is, that was their, if, if each successive generation doesn't represent for their own time, and what makes sense to them, then they're missing the point. You got to disregard what was the past scenario and be with the current moment, or else you get washed away like ocean currents. Be present. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, that was in chemistry that we met, and in in nutrition, is there any research or community work? that you have done and or are doing? Well, yes. There 
is quite a bit. So I'm working on a community needs assessment uh, project right now for one of my public health classes. And so we are shining the spotlight on a senior center in uh, downtown Seattle, right next to the famous Pike's Place Market. In fact, it's actually called Pike's Place Senior Center. Mm-hmm. That fits. Uh-huh. And <laughs> uh, the project, so basically we came up with this organization because our topic, our guidelines for this class and this project was to look specifically at food insecurity in the elderly population. And so this program really um, fits that criteria because they help all people 55 years of age and up, and they provide uh, two meals a day, seven days a week to the community. And and by doing that, they end up actually creating community. So um, I was just there on Friday doing my assessment with their grant writer, Mason, and uh, you know it was really beautiful to sit and observe all the people that come together and get to take this, you know, have this time together and um, obviously, you know, share ideas, um, engage, connect. And there really aren't that many platforms for that, I think, as we as we get older. And um, so to see that in action was really beautiful. Huh. That's neat right there. It was really neat. I mean, it's like 120 plus people get to come together for this twice a day, mm-hmm. play games, yeah, um, and just interact. So this is a nice feature. Anytime you bring people together, there's a different value proposition because sometimes there's, let's say, one person working on a certain study on their own, they can push very deep in that category, but there's not much width. But then, at other times, there could be a 80-person gathering for a little bit of exercise. Like, I have a nursing student that he went to a few recreation centers, and they did uh, exercise with the community, and then they had kinesiologists to set up a, a workout plan or something, and then I think they had nutritionists, too, for a diet plan. So, even though it's not, like, pushing highly specific for some chemical interaction in the body these large-scale events don't need to. They're more about width, and they impact maybe 40, 60, 80, 100 people at once, which has a different type of value. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice feature. So, yeah, and then in addition to that, you asked about research, and I'm working on a... um, on a project that um, where I focus on two specific supplements, mm-hmm. and I look at the research to support how it impacts uh, blood sugar in the body. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the last like I guess week, I've been trying to dig deep into the research to support using alpha lipoic acid mm-hmm. and. And uh, this really cool herb called Gymnema sylvestri, mm-hmm. um, and look at, at their impacts in the body. Mm. Just, yeah, a lot of chemistry involved, you know, as you understand sort of their mechanisms of action in the body. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is cool. Alpha, by the way, for people is like a symbol. It's like a downward curve and then over, and then it's in front of lipoic acid. It reminds me of some of the like citric acid cycle and things that are cyclical. 
Yeah. It actually impacts the citric acid cycle. What? Mm-hmm. That's probably why it reminded me of that. That's kind of it cool. Both, it both oxidizes and reduces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I want to toss this in. I always like to link back. There's some similarity between nutrition and ecology and or sustainable farming, which you almost feel like they're connected. Like farming is connected to nutrition a little bit because joke, okay? And then episode uh, 204 with Simone was about some of those elements. Now, in in that category, have you had any experience with some sort of uh, self-farming or uh, ecology or things in the category of like co-ops and managing food usage or anything like that? Uh, yes. So I love that episode with Simone, by the way. Shout out so, to it. 204. Simone, yeah, 204. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I guess before I got into this program, I was working as a, a farmer uh-huh. for a couple years with the farm called Mono Farm in, in Ojai. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely a link, I think, uh, between nutrition and and, and farming. Uh-huh. Uh, because I think if you're going to look at things on, um, on like a nutrient level, you're going to see that obviously growing your own food and going right to the source, you're going to get the highest nutrient level from that food mm-hmm. as opposed to going to the grocery store Um even the farmer's market, right? Yes. Um, so so just speaking on like a, a nutrient level, it's obviously amazing to work on a farm because you get fresh produce every single day mm-hmm. and you offer that to, um, you know, to commun- community members and consumers. Um, the sustainability aspect, I mean, when you think about how far food is shipped to get into the grocery stores and and you think about like seasonality too, you know, you're getting um, like tomatoes in the dead of winter, things like that. You're, you know, you're really disconnected, I think, from from food. Mm-hmm. And so... We shouldn't I mean, have tomatoes in the dead of winter. I mean, I guess that's arguable, you know. I mean, but genetic like- modification can really change that, but and it has. Um, and then thinking about too, how you're supporting other countries, because a lot of those produce, the produce does come from other countries. There's many aspects to consider. I don't think it's, it's that black and white, but certainly if you're thinking about things on a nutritional level, yeah, seasonality, locality, all those things are really important and they're going to yield the greatest benefits in, in when you consume them. Right. And not just in, you know, nutrient value, but also in flavor too flavor profile so um that's a bonus right but then on the sustainable level yeah that's probably the most i mean it is one of the most sustainable things you can do is just um get what's in season and get stuff that's grown locally mm-hmm. now i will say uh in the same way that simone had had some lemon verbena plant which i've had in soap uh you have also uh worked around or been near I don't know, a lavender field, which I've also had in soap, uh, in <laughs> lavender farm of your own uh, familial entity. Now, have you assisted in any form in lavender growth 
or the the release of those products to the public or have you left that alone to your familial entities every year my family participates in the Ojai Lavender Festival mm-hmm. and that's been going on for many many years and actually it's kind of bittersweet to say but this will be their last year that Ojai puts on this Lavender Festival why um I just think that the the sort of advisory board, the people that have created it and have been running it, I got they're, it. they're ready to move on. I know. I actually things. emailed them. Lemon Verbena is the new thing, so lem- <laughs> Lavender's out. It's time for the Lemon, <laughs> lemon Verbena Festival. Uh-huh. That's it. It is a really nice smell, I uh-huh. admit. Lemon Verbena. And you know, it's great. When I was working on the farm, that stuff grows like a weed. You know, it's part of the, the mint family. And... Mm. um. And you can just cut it up and you can actually put it in water, like some nice filtered water in, in a jar and put it in your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, it's just going to start steeping and it just makes that water taste so sweet. It's, it's kind of like making your own lemon verbena tea. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a delicious way to hydrate in the summertime and get a little bit of herb. Lemon verbena, I believe, has been used too traditionally to help with depression. So oh. I think it'll, it'll help um, maybe release some dopamine or serotonin <laughs> or something and get you really jacked up. <laughs> I knew those showers I was taking where I was using lemon verbena soap were more joyful. I just knew it. I'm sure they were. Yeah. yeah. Great soap. So, yeah, so my... So my mom and my stepfather have a lavender farm, and um, they've been participating in the lavender festival for years. And so I do go down and help them. It's the last weekend of June every year. And so I go down and I help them, and they have a little storefront, and my mom makes some really amazing lavender products. And they also offer, you know, just a place for people to gather and commune and um, pick lavender and hang out on hammocks. And um, there's a little bit of, there's a farm as well there. And so people can, you know, get fresh peaches and get some beverages and kind of just enjoy and be leisure under the sun um, amid the fields of lavender. It's quite nice. Right. I always like to to add in the element that it's it's nice in life to have both like very focused progression in certain categories or understanding and then at the same time to not forget that there's basic things that are needed for that progression like leisure time uh maybe closed eyes time as i call it uh time of uh trying a food not eating it too quickly a little bit of communication where you're actually connecting all these basic things walking whatever it is that Without that, you have no chance at pushing heavily in some specific field or category. Yeah, Yeah, and just, yeah, slowing yourself down to appreciate, you know, whatever's coming into your life and just being open to, yeah, how things unfold. Mm -hmm. That's both sides. That's the dopaminergic, get things done, and then there's the here and now transmitters that are like sensation of the moment combo. Now... I got that information about those from the book with Dr. Lieberman. Tell me about books you have read, looked at, interested in. Do you not like books at all? Are you opposed to them as a person? Could never be opposed to them. Love okay. books. Okay. 
Um, I often dream of just sitting down and reading a book, especially right now because there's so much snow where I am. And it just sounds like, you know, you just want to curl up with a good book and a cup of tea. I just, I want to jump in and say we are offended here at the Armin Show podcast. During the podcast, at that moment, she's like, I'd like to be reading a book. How dare you? It's hard with the scenery outside my window. <laughs> it's just so inviting. But what I was going to say after you rudely interrupted me. Rudely. Is that... Unfortunately, I have so much work to do for school that I don't often get a lot of time to sit down and read a book. Mm -hmm. But I do have lots of great books. Um, One book that I like to read before I go to bed and have been for some time is called Women Who Run With the Wolves. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of this book? No. No. Um, It's a really empowering book for women, and there's all kinds of different stories, myths and stories um, that really kind of depict the powerful wild woman. Um, and so I find that it's just, it's one of those really easy reads to just um, remind yourself of how powerful you are. And it's not just for women. Men can read it too. Um, mm. A reminder of your inner strength and your inner spirit. So that's fun. And then I just finished reading a really incredible, inspiring um autobiography of this woman named Captain Liz Clark and the book is called Swell and she basically uh, taught herself how to sail this like 40 foot sailboat and um, sailed solo all around the Pacific into um, I guess into Fiji and the Tahitian the Polynesian Islands and she goes and encounters all kinds of inclement weather by herself, has to figure out how to like run the motor and, you know, use, understand how to tear it apart and put it back together. I mean, a lot of like kind of engineering stuff. And it's just, again, similar to this other book I just mentioned, women who run with the wolves. Mm -hmm. It's just inspiring to let you know that anything is possible and people are out there doing that. And so, um, in, in addition, she also is, like, searching for the best waves as she's sailing around. And she scores some really cool um, waves all to herself, which is very appealing to me because I love surfing. So it was fun to read her little captures of those moments. I want to include, include in there, you like surfing and things of that nature such as snowboarding. In the past, me and Erica have gone snowboarding, and now it is snowmageddon in your state. How is the snow time currently going? Snow time is going really well. We have had like a little bit of a reprieve from the snow flurries, but now we are going to have snow, I think, in the next couple hours. And it's going to snow, I think, all the way until next week. So wow. it's only getting better. Huh. It's fantastic. That's I just, yeah, but I can't really leave because I don't have chains. I don't have uh, all-wheel drive or anything like that, four-wheel drive. So I am snowed in. You are trapped with your thoughts and your... And Armin. And Armin. You know, <laughs> as people have said, that is the joy of life, that description. I think that's the only way I'm getting through this. Right. Snowman. That's it. Snow and yeah. Armin, basically, that combo, we, once you've had people make a list, right? Like, what are the two things that if you were just trapped, these are the things that just you need trapped. around? 
Yeah, trapped on a desert island. You you only get two things. Right. What would it be? I would say, obviously, Armin. Uh-huh. Obvi- I mean, like, and, let's not... Do we even count that in the list? It's just a there. There's a part of me that's like, do I also want to say music? But then I know Armin yeah. is music. Watch this. So right. You know, just that- because you brought it up. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do So, yeah. That was beautiful. Thanks. Um... That's yeah, you're right. The music. So I fill in a few of the the gaps there, and then also, the thing is though that list of two things was Armin and snow, and I don't know how much sense snow makes on a desert island. Well, you know, I'd say that it does happen. Like the Big Island of Hawaii has a very deserted side to it, mm-hmm. and it also has snow. Um. So. Oh. It exists. Speaking of that, you reminded me of, I just saw an episode of some other podcast with a guy uh, who's a social media guy who he goes and does bungee jumps or whatever the things are and then goes back to Hawaii to be at peace and then similar (laughs) to other guests who's been on the show, Kenny, who goes back to his cabin in Fish Lake, Utah to be at peace. A lot of people have that kind of place. Is your current location like that? Where is... The place you have found the most, like, I am calm. When I'm surfing. Oh, okay. The ocean. So that could be in any location that you're surfing in. Yeah, I think so. I mean, home, so Ojai, Ojai, Ventura County, that's home. Mm -hmm. And that's a peaceful place. My parents' property is a peaceful place. Mm -hmm. All that lavender, you know. Right. How could you be in peace there? Right. Um, But I think, you know... Those are places I really enjoy spending my time, and I also think that, you know, peaceful places, it doesn't really matter where you are because it's really within. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in relation to that, being peaceful within has to come with some sort of self-esteem and maybe a little bit of vulnerability. Now, you have seen a <laughs> TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability. You have spoken about, we have spoken about the concept of vulnerability when if you were going to tell somebody else what vulnerability could do for them how would you say that yeah i think it sets you free oh um yeah i think it's a really liberating experience and i think i don't remember if you were recording this when we were talking about your no, no, your sorry. party sorry. your party in the hollywood hills right but like crashing almost crashing one yeah, pretty empowering moment for, for someone. Should you I know? include this one? Yeah, I think you should. All right, folks. So, summary. Uh, went towards a shindig that was occurring that I found out about through the internet. And uh, went in the region. And then was really close to it. And then decided, yeah, it doesn't fit. The scenario, not so great. And I left. And that's not something Armin usually does. I'll just walk in like it's my home. But in this case, um, I left it be. Look at me being vulnerable as I described it. Very, very vulnerable. Uh huh. But I was going to actually say it kind of differently. Okay, go ahead. That's a little differently. So I think, you know, when you were telling me the story, I was envisioning myself in your story. Because oh. I think that's a lot of times what, what. That's a good point. I do. 
Um, maybe other people do that too. Great point. And uh, so you're, you're telling me this story, and Armin says, you know, I, I park two blocks away, mm-hmm. and I start walking up to this random house. Armin doesn't know anybody at this house, which isn't fearful <laughs> or uncomfortable for him. Uh-huh. But for myself, I would kind of start feeling like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then as Armin approaches the house, there he does there's no way to really get in except there's a strange man in a you know <laughs> <laughs> at least this is how I envision it. Right. A strange man sitting in the dark. Yep. Um what I perceive is nearby an entrance. I don't know if there was mm-hmm. an entrance there. But right. nonetheless, doesn't matter. He's like the gatekeeper. I would see that that situation and I'd be like, walk away, Erica, walk away now. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. But you see in that experience, right, you're you are right there on the precipice of this like experience of un- discomfort, the uncertainty, mm-hmm. have no idea what the future holds, and there's this level of excitement in that. And I would say that's a feeling that I can connect with vulnerability. When you're vulnerable, you get that sort of same level of kind of excitement, and um, mm-hmm. oh. That- that's like a cathartic experience. It ends up being a very cathartic experience, and it ends up being a very like meaningful experience. So, oh. yeah, ability is to me just being authentic, not really being dishonest, not being dishonest with yourself or anybody else. Just being very authentic and with how you feel and, and what you want. And um, that's why I say it sets you free. It's pretty liberating. When you can get to that place. But, you know, there's a lot on the line because if you're a person that is dependent upon, you know, uh, the approval of others, then it might be a really hard thing for you to do. And maybe, you know, you're not even conscious of that. And it can be in the most subtle ways, too, whether, you know, you say sort of a, a statement and you take pause and you're waiting for that person across from you that you're speaking with to confirm yes totally yeah uh-huh like that's that's seeking approval of others mm-hmm. and um yeah when you're vulnerable uh that can be a really difficult experience um right. because a lot of times others aren't going to be very uh approving and it can lead to some confrontation and that's another thing confrontation whoo that's difficult for a lot of people. Yes. In this category, a few things came to mind, by the way. One of them is, uh, well, confrontation. So I am different from most in this category because I go towards it almost more than just letting it happen, but actually go towards it. But I wanted to go back to two points to bring them up that are important that you said when you do something and you get to that point where you're like should I should I not and it can be cathartic or you feel it that's vulnerability that's a good point so unless you're feeling those like it's the border of your ability it's not gonna resonate you're not gonna get some value out of it so whatever your border is mine might be a little bit more extreme in some categories but if I don't go near that then uh, I'm not getting any sort of uh, growth, or I'm not feeling vulnerable at the time. And then the part about envisioning, that was key also. When you're uh, telling a story, we always have to think about that. The other person is putting themselves 
in the story more so than hearing your story. So that's why maybe thinking of others is not so needed to be like limited because they're not even hearing your thing and judging you. They're putting themselves in your presentation and working through it for themselves. So you want to give them more to work with, not less. That's a great point. Um, Armin. Yes. So can you tell us a story of when you've gotten to that place with your borders? Well, so it's not common. <laughs> it's it's not like the close, like I actually left that Hollywood Hills house without actually knocking. So what a messed up story. But don't worry, folks, I'll make up for that one uh, in the future. But that's. I see it as anytime I actually didn't do the thing, that might as well have been in my border because it's very rare that I don't do a social thing. Other things like bungee jumping or skydiving, those aren't my category, so I don't have a border there. It depends what category each person... Some people are like, I, I got to go on a higher jump and a further jump and a faster and the I got to jump into a pool. It's really popular, by the way, on social media to jump into a pool. I've seen it like 80,000 times. Uh, look at me, I jumped in a pool, I'm about to fall into a pool, there's a pool near me, uh, maybe it's like the reverse of evolution, because we came out as, uh, amoebas, right, some sort of frog, and then I read that in the book, that the only thing that was different from water and land was, in water, you have the buoyant force, um, uh, whereas on land, you don't have it supporting you, so you have to support your own weight fully, whereas in water... You have the buoyant force helping you. So that was the disconnect between organisms getting onto the land or the most difficulty also. They would breathe through water, so that's different. But uh, it hasn't really resonated with me to jump into water or freezing water or jump into freezing water or skydive into freezing water after jumping. Well, there's a lot of combinations of these things. But my uh, yeah category is like social risks and... Those, the border is very high up there. But the rare times when I don't do a something, that's about, I guess that's representative of the border. But it's not common because I don't almost see the border. Well, but there surely there must be an uncomfortable situation, social situation that you could think of for yes. yourself. I mean, well, I will say on the episode with Josh, actor, Josh Sussman, was it, I don't know, 25? Maybe episode 25, I think. I still remember it. Now, in that one, I had, I guess I crashed another party, but that was, it was not Hollywood Hills, but he found it very interesting that everybody there knew each other, and I didn't know anybody, and I met everybody, not everybody, but a variety of people, but I didn't feel that as a much, so that wasn't really towards my border, but definitely it was outlandish for most people so my border is way off compared to the default border when is the time I'm trying, to, I'm trying to shade in like where that border is right so it in my head it doesn't really exist and shouldn't because it's like an uh i don't believe in it but at times it shows up in small circumstances but ideally and, and I, go ahead i was gonna say and then how do you deal with it so, when it does show, because that's got to be the most foreign feeling for you. Yes. It's a little disturbing. It's like, what is this? And uh, because it does feel wrong. Every time I'm like, 
uh, maybe it doesn't suit me. I don't know for others, but it doesn't make sense. You know how like Mr. Rogers was nice uh -huh. across the neighborhood and such. So if Mr. Rogers comes around, there isn't any sense of uh, hierarchy or whatnot. It's Mr. Rogers. He transcends whatever social power economic structure you have set up because it's it's like oh this is actually the person we don't have to be cynical about right right it's along those lines so the few people who are collectively outwardly giving generous energy building i don't think they should have any border of any kind so obviously that sounds a little bit like so, Armin, you could just walk in and out of everybody's house and or car and or place and or thing. I mean, it sounds a little bit non-contextual, but if there was a walking... Um, it sounds licentious. It sounds what, Sagan? Good word? What was that word? Licentious. Licentious. Everybody, add that to your list next to grandiloquent and erudite. What is licentious? It's kind of promiscuous. Oh, Oh, okay, so, <laughs> promiscuous, right, okay, it has that, like, why is this person in my car, maybe, <laughs> so there is that, yes, it's very... You're in everyone's bubble. Right, because the belief that there was no bubble in the first place, so it's, right. it comes from a different view, because if I viewed the bubble there, now I'm, I am in everybody's bubble, but... If I don't see the bubble and the other person does, am I really in their bubble? Or are they in their bubble they, and I'm not? They, they believe that you're you're in their bubble. Right. Right. But see, but then, you see, like, I, I get it. I love to connect with people and I will connect connect with anybody. And, and I, I get a lot uh, from that experience. I right. really enjoy right. it. Mm -hmm. Um. But, you see, I have this awareness that I know when I've stepped in someone's bubble. Right. Right? Now, I, I know you don't, I don't think you get that I, feeling. I get the feeling, like, I know when you would feel that you stepped in somebody's bubble. Well, yeah, I, I get that sense because I can, I can sort of, um, I can, through social cues, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like that same thing, like, you've stayed a little too long, yeah. you know, and that that happens is like that so you're like okay it's time to kind of back it up ease out of this don't make this person uncomfortable but that's a very distinct difference between our sort of Myers-Briggs personalities I guess mm -hmm. it's, you would not you're like what is it that you say you can die <laughs> well what I've said before is we are all great natured so we're switching up that quote to the we are all great natured joke okay that's funny like wait what did he say what a transition that's a skilled segue okay that's what powerful performers and presenters have the skilled segue somebody's like armin did you say uh people should crash their cars no 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 what i actually said was people should be joyful in themselves and they're like what what a turnaround that's amazing what a presenter now, in relation to what you're describing, there is a philosophy that is like um, to let people's uh, limiting beliefs not infringe upon your own being, if you will. So, 
if someone has a limiting belief, like Jay-Z said, his uncle said, uh, you can't rap or make money or something off of this. And what he was actually saying is, I can't make money off of this, not you. So you don't want to take people's lack of belief in you uh, in word because it, maybe it wasn't your thought. It probably wasn't your thought. You see five-year-old kids that don't believe in themselves? I don't. So at some point, individuals absorb these thoughts externally as though they were their own, and there's an error there. And are you saying that's what happens with the social cues? My perception of these social cues is just really me having believed thoughts of others for a long period of time, and so those social cues aren't really happening. It's just uh, inner voices from my past experiences. Well, I would say that yes, except at some point or maybe early on, or maybe out of your control, that one I can't guarantee, it can become a, a visceral response. Once it's a visceral response, it's not really in my hands. Even if I don't see your bubble or do see your bubble, you're having this strong visceral response that impacts your ability to connect with me at that point. So then, it, even though I have this perspective and it might be broader... The other person's like already is infringed. It's they can't process anything beyond you just stepped on me kind of thing. So there is that. Mm. Yeah. So you have a sense of that, which is good, and uh, would take that more into account. <laughs> I take it into account, but not as much. I don't like to give weight to it. But the visceral thing, I can't argue with because if the person automatically has this this person's, you know, two feet away and they're looking at me this way, so now I feel this level of cortisol uh, processing through my brain, whatever it is, then that's it. They're incapacitated at that point. So for me to now start giving advice about opening up, they're like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I am incapacitated at this moment. So uh, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that element. I hope the listeners have taken some uh, social context understanding insight from that part. Shout out to perspective, which is good. Now, you hashtag. are m- hashtag hashtag perspective. Oh yeah, I'll p- actually I'll put that in. I'll put that in on the tag. Now, you are more feeling oriented than myself. How has that impacted you from your view and your existence? Um, well, I can't really say what it must be like to be a more thinking person. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. Um, okay. To all the listeners out there, feeling people think too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. We also think. <laughs> and um, similarly, uh, on the flip, thinking people do feel. Yes. Although Armin doesn't feel much. <laughs> you know, it's it's... It's kind of a jab, but I didn't mean it in a jab. No, it's way. diminished. It's diminished. It's in the sense of how we've been talking about these social scenarios where most people would feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I think your listeners are probably getting a pretty good understanding that you don't get to that place. Not, um, not as heavily. It's not high pinging. As which much. is, not, yeah, it's not to say that Armin doesn't feel. Right. Because he certainly does. Thank you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, for me, being a feeling person, it's wonderful because I feel like I, I feel, see, it's in my language. I can connect very pretty easily with people, um, like in a heartfelt kind of connected way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy that. I get a lot of um, enjoyment from that experience. I feel like I, get, I can know people deeply really quickly because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, an ability to empathize. Sometimes, though, it gets a little too extreme, the feeling orientation I have. Mm-hmm. Because um, I'm going to tell you a fun story. Okay, everybody get ready for a fun story. Yeah, this is a fun story that really, I think, um, highlights or puts the spotlight on my feelingness. Great. And it's kind of can be negative impacts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it must have been about eight years ago. I was going to become a Sawyer certified individual, which it's a little outside my realm of comfort anyway, but I just am of the mindset that the more you can do, the more independent you can be, the better off you are. So I decided to to work in this capacity, which is basically felling trees, so, so chainsawing trees down, cutting them down with chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And it's a course that you do, and the final project of this course is to, on your own, fell a tree, so cut a tree down. So we go to the site, and everyone's kind of warming up with their chainsaws, and we're bucking limbs, and, you know, I'm feeling like, oh, I got this, this is pretty nice, you know, but you're bucking limbs, so these are trees that have already been, they've already been cut down. Well, so the professor, um, he calls me up and he goes, okay, Erica, here's your tree. I need you to, you need you to cut this one down. And I go up to the tree and I just start crying. Oh man. I mean, I was bawling. I was choked up, snot, sniffles, you know, the deep inhales. Anyway. Right. You were, I, you were allergic to trees. I had this. <laughs> <laughs> told me where that <laughs> I had this total emotional response where I was like, I can't cut down this tree. Mm-hmm. This tree is habitat for all of this life. You know, um, the different insects, the birds, etc. Not only that, the tree is life. Like, the tree is just this living being. Mm-hmm. How can my life be more valuable than this tree? And what are we going to do with this tree now that I'm cutting it down? Where, Where's... Where, where are all the insects and the birds going to go? And um, the plant life that also resides on this beautiful tree, um, the fungus, it's, you know, they're mutually beneficial. It's just like all of these thoughts kept pouring into my head, all these stories. I mean, it's, it's split seconds, but it all just floods in me. And I, I, I was like, I can't do it. And he's like, you have to do it. And I... I looked at him and I was like, "Oh God!" Sinking, sinking pit his stomach, pit in my stomach, and and um, right. He said, "Erica, this is invasive. It needs to go. This is an invasive eucalyptus. In- <laughs> it needs to go." So he was really building me up, trying to shift my perspective. Which ultimately, I have to tell you, I did cut down the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just one of the many ways that that feeling orientation really impacts me and can sort of prevent me from seeing other perspectives. Right. The logical, the more thoughtful, you know, thinking-oriented approach is this is an invasive species. It's destroying this ecosystem up here. We need to get rid of it. Yeah. Right? 
Mm-hmm. That's a thinking oriented response to that experience. But mine was like, ah, the homes, the babies, the families, the life. Yeah. Right. Well, that says a couple of things. One of them, there is a lot of individuals who don't have that feeling centeredness. They wouldn't even sense that there is a living being there. And they go a little bit disturbing on the other end in most of their life actions where they're uh, like destroying living beings as they go through their time. So that's like a sociopath. You know, along those lines... (laughs) Uh, there can be a social, social sociopath. That's a double. Maybe that's the actual meaning of the word. So, on the other end is some harsh. You know, the your end is not the harsh end. Nobody's gonna be. Like, she's so harsh. She wouldn't even kill that living thing. Also, I want to add in. Don't play Mario with Erica, okay? Because she won't even step on the Goomba. Probably there's Goombas that are coming towards you, your enemy. And she won't step on the Goomba because it looks like a mushroom. That's probably true. Right. Yeah. Joke. Now, so you did cut it down, but I get it. You know, I feel like in life when you have that feeling like this is not for me, those are the key times to be like, this is not for me. I think that's true, except that haven't you ever pushed through that and then felt really good that you pushed through that? So, like, initially, so interesting. So, initially, for me, a lot of times, there will be some sort of challenging experience, and I will go, hmm, is this a sign, right, that I should maybe not keep going down this path? Mm -hmm. And I can say, you know, I felt that a lot in grad school, thinking, you know, this is, A, A, it's a lot of money, B, it, it's very challenging and I don't really feel like I'm enjoying life or I'm getting out of this what I was hoping I was going to get out of this, my expectation of what I was supposed to get out of this. And, you know, I pushed through those painful experiences. And we talked a little bit about those yesterday too, like mm-hmm. all those other sort of emotional states that um, came up as a result of being in this this place and in this program. Right. And I push through them, and here I am. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I graduate at the end of June, and I'm feeling very, very grateful that I continued down that path and I continued to push through that discomfort. And I find that a lot. That's a theme in my life. Like, the more uncomfortable it is, the more I know I kind of have to push through that. And then I'm really grateful for having had the experience. And you know, there's been a lot of things that I've done that have been, like, physically demanding, mm. and um, which end up actually becoming more emotionally demanding or mentally demanding in a weird way. Like, physical, it seems like that's what gives out first, but then really what you're confronting is the mental, not the physical at all. Right. And, and those have been, like, the most glorious experiences of my life, and I've wanted to quit. Most of the time. So when I hiked the John Muir Trail, which is like 200 and something miles, right? I I <laughs> naively went out in brand new tennis shoes. And <laughs> <laughs> anybody who's hiked knows that's like the worst thing you can do. And I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. And <laughs> by like day three, my feet were bloody and torn to shreds. And I had to hike barefoot. Ooh. For a majority of the hike, because 
I mean, I literally put duct tape around my feet. I was uh. like, a and there was a part of me that was like, I'm not going to make this. Like, I can't do this. And I don't want to do this. This is not fun. This is not pleasurable, right? Mm-hmm. And something inside me always says, you know what, Erica, you're going to regret it if you quit now. And mm-hmm. I've never been more grateful for the sceneries, the scenes that I got to experience and see and witness and the mental sort of struggle that I went through and then persevered out of. And that, that experience now is so much more valuable to me. Anyway. Right. There is something for pushing. Uh, I think the disconnect that came to my mind was those times where it's your thing, but it's pushing. So that I highly support. And then there's things where it's not your thing and then pushing, and I'm not with that. Yeah. And you're saying me cutting down the tree was one of those things? uh, I don't know because even though... You know, recently I've been labeled as able to process all on this great planet. I don't have a 100% sense of the exact view you had as you did it. So I cannot uh, fully connect on that element. But it could have been, and you could have made a terrible mistake, and now... In your alternate universe person, she's looking at you like, should have not. So, we should always keep this in mind. Alternate universe person might be... Might be mad. Yeah. <laughs> might be pretty mad over there. Might be pretty mad, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it could she have might- been... What yeah. is your thought? Was it like a defining, like, I've messed up or no? Uh, no, I don't believe so because I, I decided to do that course because I wanted that degree of freedom, that additional degree of freedom, right? Right. So for me, the final test of cutting down the tree was me attaining that degree of freedom. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I became really hyper aware of you know, the consequence of that. Right. I think that's a really valuable lesson because in anything that we decide to do, there's always some sort of consequence. Mm -hmm. And we're often not aware of what that consequence is. But in the midst of of making that decision, I became aware of, like, all sides of what was going on. And ultimately, I decided to continue down the original plan or that path, the original path. And, yeah, it was just a heightened sense of awareness but that's ultimately what I wanted to do you know an analog to that is Tony Robbins in his program at the end of it you walk on burning charcoals of some sort you run across them and it's in the same category the way you're describing it because people do it and then right before it they're like well I'm gonna get roasted on my feet do I look like a bell pepper no and then they (laughs) run across and turns out they were not a bell pepper made it through and then they have that feeling that you sort of described for with the tree that oh, I've done that. I I now have a new degree of freedom. I can run across charcoals whenever I need to. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that's quite the same, but mm-hmm. uh, 
But I have run across charcoal, actually, and I oh. know that is very it, – it's a really empowering situation. So, yeah. Now, did you – when you did that run, do you get roasted like a bell pepper or are you unaffected? No, I, I, I was slightly unaffected by it, and I didn't run. I walked. Uh, did you get the memo about running? No, no, no. It was it was a very um, emotional experience. There was like a group of like fifty, maybe a hundred people. I can't even remember. It was a larger group, uh-huh. and you know, everyone was circled around the um, the charcoal or the coals. Uh-huh. And they had it kind of set up comfortably, where there was like a nice square of moistened sod on either end of the of the fire, mm-hmm. you know, of the whole fire. And um yeah, it's like as you would and it was all it was all uh what do I want to say? Um you could decide if you wanted to do this. Like it wasn't mandatory. It was totally up to you. Mm-hmm. Optional. Yes. So as I walked up to the sod, there was this thing that you had to do, which was like it was a, a letting go ceremony. Mm-hmm. So you had to you had to really just kind of like release whatever you were holding on to, and then you walked across the the coal. And um, yeah, so a lot of people were very to turn the circle back, very vulnerable in this moment with each other. It was a very vulnerable time where people didn't hold anything back. There was no filter. People were being very authentic, sharing, exposing their fears, exposing things that they had been holding on to for a really long time. And um, so there was that beautiful release. And I think sometimes in those moments when you step up in front of a large group of people and you're very vulnerable, there's probably a large release of adrenaline and then you walk across the fire and you don't even know that it's fire because you have all this uh, adrenaline pouring through your system. So, mm. Right. You don't feel yeah. it as much in those moments. Also, there's the peer pressure there of 100 people. Anytime in life, there's peer pressure. Okay, everybody listening, there's going to be alcohol and illegal drugs, and don't do it bad, okay? There's a lot of people, and they're like, hey, try this lemonade. So just be careful. Look at me saying be careful. That's funny. That'll always be funny if I ever mention it. Be cautious. What, Armin said be cautious? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's pretty good. It don't make no sense. No, it doesn't really. There's other people to say be cautious. If I start saying be cautious, now we're like... We're kind of having some problems then in this world. Yeah. If aren't saying to proceed with caution. Yeah. That would be. That should be in my bio. That's red flags, people. Red flags. Proceed with caution. Ca- it's Armageddon. Right. Oh, that's different than the other Armageddon. Why, have I thought of this? I don't know. Armageddon. I think I have. Oh, but I don't know if I would associate... But it actually is pretty good because it's very, like, a large impact. Like, a, if there was a fireball that hit the earth, that would be a something Armageddon. And then me is a me, and then it's Armageddon. So... Yeah, the world would be ending if you said for everyone to proceed with caution. Oh, yeah. That's like... That would, be, that would, that would in my head, be me actually stepping on other people's roles. That that would actually, in my head, be wrong. So that's funny. Like, to 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 go and go in someone's bubble, I don't believe in the bubble, so it doesn't make sense. But for me to start saying proceed with caution, now I'd actually be stealing other people's roles, and that would be wrong. 
So I had actually... And it also wouldn't be very vulnerable or authentic of you. No, no, no. I'd just be mocking almost. Right. Hey, everybody, proceed with caution. Put on a jacket because it's cold. Uh... Right. I, I could do that as a bit though on stage and everybody would be like, oh, "We don't believe this guy. We don't <laughs> We don't believe him. He doesn't we don't we, he, How do you know we own a jacket?" So that's the information. Now, Erica, we have covered a broad spectrum of personality happenings and doings. What is one message you would want to dis- describe or say to all the listeners and or people if you had a megaphone? to the whole earth, what would be a sentence or message that you would give to all people that represents you? Um, that represents me? Yes, and what you'd want to say. Like, they're like, here's the megaphone. You're able to communicate with 7.6 billion people, but for some reason, only for a sentence and or message worth of communication. <laughs> We've set this whole thing up. Yeah. All of well, humanity I is mean- waiting. It's probably because by the time the megaphone gets to me, the battery's low. Right. So, um, but you were the only one at the event. So I'm the only one at the event. Like okay. the speaking. They're all listening. They're all listening. Um, well, I guess it would, be, it would be very fitting to let everyone know just to uh, go ahead and, and be authentic. Just... Say what you mean and mean what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that is just sort of innate. People know that. So Do they? I would want to say something that has such so much greater value than that. And, yeah, what? Let me go back to that one there that you have just said didn't, that has a lot. So no, very few people are authentic. Very few. I think there's so few that actually even know what their self is that that already knocks out a good percentage of people. Then the, of those who know who their self is, even a small percentage of them actually take on a lot of the elements of what they believe in. So I think that message is accurate. It's accurate, but it's not... It's so hard to limit it just to a sentence because there's so many small... Look, there's so uh, many look. things to say like... You know, like, you know what I would say? What? I would say carpe diem. Carpe diem, people. Okay, so we're pulling out some German Spanish. Seize the the day. Mm Mm-hmm. Live fully in each moment. And if that means living seriously to you, fine, live serious. If it means living happily and you know, making humor and light out of situation, if it means connecting, whatever it means to you, just do it with a hundred percent. Give a hundred percent. This is wonderful. You will enjoy life. I want to say there's a slight remix to what you said that sounds fitting. Yeah, you said seize the moment uh, and in each day. And then you could also say seize, like seize candy, um the moment and then uh you said the moment in each day the walnut in each candy it was close you know so seize candy with walnuts i just it okay. sounded similar that that's a great spin I, and i kind of like that one more yeah no it's less but i just thought i'd throw it in there i like seize candy with walnuts it's, it's so thinking of you what can i say seize the moment and then be authentic 
this is a heavy you know the be authentic sometimes the phrases that sound simple i almost see no one who knows their full self and is that regularly the few who do it even for like a six month period are some of the super superstars of our society i've noticed this it's just not there's too much weight against it everything is com- it's completely pushed against so it's a strong message it sounds straightforward but the amount of wherewithal it takes to actually do it is uh mo- monumental yes yes i'd agree it's simply said much harder to practice mm-hmm. erica we here at the armin show who is me are glad to have had you on episode 208 of this show. I'm glad to have been here. Thank you for inviting me. You know it. And we are out.